and returned you have. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you're new, and thank you for returning, if you're returning. Um, once again, for those who are new, this is the most ratchet and research-based podcast that there probably is out there. And you're going to enjoy yourself. Sit back, listen, you know, you can if you download the app, you know, you can just push it away in the back, continue scrolling through Instagram, get in the bubble bath, drive in your car, and listen to the soothing sounds of my voice while we talk about episode three, paraprofessionals, the good, the bad, and the ugly, okay? And this is not meant to hurt anybody's feelings. Most of this episode is about the experiences of other teachers across the country, and I've compiled a lot of data, a lot of experiences from a lot of teachers of color, and I'm just ready to get into it. Now, I'm going to talk about my personal experience, of course, um, which I don't have much of because in my current state of teaching, I was promised that I would have a full-time paraprofessional in kindergarten last year. I've seen no one. So for the past four years of teaching kindergarten, I have had no one in my classroom but myself, and I like it that way. Now, when I taught pre-K, I taught Georgia Lottery pre-K, and I had a mandatory, you know, assistant teacher. You know, people don't like the word assistant, but we're we're assisting. We're assisting each other. Now, when I started that job, I was working with someone who was really close to the center manager. And they had been there for 15 years. So the type of person I am, I know you got some good stuff to offer because you've been at this center for 15 years. You know what's okay, what's not, what we can get away with, what the kids know. You know how things have changed. And it was a corporate center, so there are a lot of rules on top of Georgia Lottery Pre-K rules, on top of corporate rules, on top of we were quality rated, on top of we were NACI accredited. So... She was the perfect person to have. Um, She always asked me what I wanted to do. Um, Anything that I, and I really asked her to do stuff, but anything that I asked her to do, she would jump on it. There was no question about it. I didn't have to ask twice. Sometimes she would read my mind. And my next year, I got somebody who was just as awesome, um, a little bit more quiet, but still perfect. Perfect, perfect, perfect. I could not. I, and then later on, I found out like both of these people may have been talking about me behind my back later on. Baby, it never got back to me until I left the job. I still don't know what was said. So at the end of the day, we came to work to work and it worked, which is what we're supposed to be doing. So I've never had an argument with any of these people. Um, we never got into it in the classroom outside of the class. Hold on, hold on. That's a lie because <laughs> my second person. We had a very, very, very teeny, teeny argument, and we still laugh about it. When I go visit her at the center to this day, we had um, two or three kids that were just like, as soon as it was time for nap, after we, after I was clean, I would clean up, and she would be putting out the mats, and I wipe tables down, get all the, you know, the plates off the table, take them out. And so, well, she would take them out, and as soon as she would take them out, man. This boy would get up and start flipping people masks over, ripping their sheets off, like, out of nowhere. And I was telling her about it, like, for two weeks. And she was like, 
she wasn't believing me, basically, y'all. And then one day I was like, what are we going to do? And she was like, well, you got to do something. And I was like, what do you want me to do? I mean, I said it just like that, y'all. I was like, let me know. What do you want me to do? Let me know. Because I've done everything. Because, see, my thing is I was mopping that floor. And I was trying to tell her, like, we don't need nobody chasing nobody about a sheet in here while the floor is wet and break their neck. That's the last thing I, I'm not. So she she kind of just, you know, walked away, took the trace. <laughs> and what I didn't know was while I was finishing mopping while she was gone, all the kids were laying down. She stayed back and looked at, through the window behind the door. And sure enough, dude got up and started wilding out. So she had came in and apologized. And we basically just came up with a plan of attack of how we was going to rectify the situation with dude and make sure that he was getting the nap that he needed and everybody else was too. And he was keeping his hands to himself classroom our 190 days with both of them was beautiful and um they set the standard for anybody else who god may have come into my classroom and worked with me and my kids because that's how fabulous they were now everyone hasn't had that experience and that's okay right now like i said i'm not having that experience at all because i'm working alone and like i said once again i prefer it that way so let's get into the definition of what a parent is. Jenny Oswald um, has a, an article called Parent Professionals, Who They Are and What They Do. So in this, she highlights the ESSA or the Every Student Succeeds Act. And that is the act that replaced No Child Left Behind. And it's the reason that the term paraprofessional became more mainstream in recent years. So... What is a paraprofessional? She defines it as someone who provides instructional support, behavioral support, physical and medical support, and one-on-one -on -one support, sometimes called instructional aids. She says that pairs are directed and supervised by a teacher and can provide multiple forms of support. Now, Georgia defines the word paraeducators as an employee whose positions are either instructional in nature or who deliver other indirect services to children, youth, and or their parents. Okay. So back to Jenny, she says that parents are directed and supervised by teachers. Now, back in the day, parents could, you know, be anybody who wanted to work with children in the classroom, but not necessarily wanted to pursue a degree. So all they needed was a high school diploma. But now they got to meet certain requirements under the ESSA, which state that not only do they have to have a high school diploma, they have to have meet the state certification requirements for employment. So you have to be a certified para, which is kind of crazy to me. I guess, yeah, you need standards in place, but if you're going to be a certified para, you might well be a certified teacher. And I say that because we're going to look into what certification means for them. So, you got your high school diploma. They have to take a GACE. Wow. In Georgia, you have to take the GACE paraprofessional assessment. Or you can have an associate's degree. You got to take it at a praxis test site. You have to have 50 contact hours within your first year of employment. And it expires in five years, which is good to know. So, 
I'm telling you these things because we're going to refer back to them as we look at the accounts of my listeners and subscribers. And they're going to tell they're good, they're bad, and they're ugly. Working with paraprofessionals as classroom teachers. Anyway, the Gates for Paris is like a two and a half hour test. It covers reading, writing, and math which is similar to what I remember taking. I didn't get certified to teach in the state of Georgia. I got reciprocity from Alabama. I took the praxis too, and I took the teaching of reading. But um, the Gates for Paris measured the skills posed by prospective practicing paraprofessionals. It also measures their ability to apply those skills and knowledge when assisting in the classroom's instruction. And I, I underlined that in my notes because... We're going to refer back to that again, as I said before, once we start reading into these accounts. Now, in 2008, Georgia posted a paraprofessional duties. This is a section um, that I'm going to highlight from their relationships with the coordinators. To develop positive relationships with other members of the faculty, consider these suggestions. Now, these are just guidelines. These are not mandatory things that they should do. They, they're supposed to do. These are things that they're saying they should do. Okay? So take a listen. Be patient and respectful of teachers with whom you work. Remember that they are learning to use your services as you are learning to serve and cooperate with them. Any task necessary to promote student learning is worthy of you performing it with pride and diligence. Question areas of concern. Try to understand thoroughly what is expected of you. To me, that says take some initiative and don't be afraid to ask some questions to the person in your classroom who you're working with if you're unclear. Be supportive of administration and teachers. Make sure they have their, your loyal support, the teachers, your best assistance, and the pupils, your help and encouragement. I'm going to stop right there because these items seems like they're going to be the most valuable to analyzing the situations that we're going to hear. So something that I was unclear of until I started doing my research was um, I learned at the end of the school year that paras get rated on their effectiveness, too. So and they have to accrue their PL time and all that good stuff. But. Why wouldn't the teacher be evaluating the pair that they work with all the time? Like, for instance, like schools who have administration that don't bother them, who don't bother their teachers until it's time for observation, they don't have a consistent view of the work ethic of the classroom teacher or the relationship that they have with their paraprofessional. If we spend most of our time with them, there should be a component uh, for input for the teachers who work closely with them in their effectiveness rating. It, it it just makes common sense. It just makes common sense. Why wouldn't that person have something to do with it? And the funny thing is when something goes wrong, a lot of people don't want to tell on a paraprofessional because, you know, you don't want to stop nobody bag. You don't want to be the person that, that told on somebody, uh, because they might have done something with you that they done when they haven't you haven't heard about them doing it with anyone else, but it's probably happening with everyone, but nobody's saying anything. 
So at the end of the day, we are concerned about the children because this person is working with you. They're working with the children. But if they aren't doing like the duties say, at the best interest and encouragement and assistance of the teacher and encouragement of the students, then what are we doing? They're not doing nothing. So without further ado, let us get into the good, the bad, and the ugly. The following are anonymous teacher experiences with paraprofessionals via a Facebook group. That's a lot of information I can give. Lego. Here we go. The question that was asked in the group was, tell me about your best and worst paraprofessional situation and tell what traits or characteristics you prefer as a classroom teacher. So, SGF said, someone who actually wants to do the work. And then RJ replies, it's like, do these people actually still exist? Hashtag paycheck. Hmm. MD says, I've seen parents who are essentially extra teachers and deans and then parents who are on their phones 90% of the time. Like any other position, actually caring about the work is vital. Like, honestly, why are you here? If you didn't come to work, what did you come to do? You took a test, you got an associate's degree, and you thought it was going to be sweet? Like, what's... Come on, y'all. DJO says, my best experience was being a pair of myself first. So I appreciate flexibility, creativity, and overall love for the job. Now, that's empathy at its finest because he was there first. So he already knows what's up. Now, I wonder what his particular experience was like while he was being a pair. But hey. JW says, I've learned more as a para than during my teaching experience. Wow. I've never been a paraprofessional. I don't know. Um, when I got out of school, I was an assistant teacher for Georgia Lottery Pre-K for like, I don't know, like eight weeks or something. And uh, that lady act like she didn't want nobody to work with her. Um I didn't even know what I was doing there because she had it all figured out. I was just there because it's a requirement of the state. Um, I even helped those kids to get ready for their graduation ceremony. And the the director of the school was like, oh, we don't need you. You don't have to come. What? I work here. Like, yeah, my contract is over, but I helped them prepare for this graduation. I was dressed in everything. That was some embarrassing shit. Okay. BS says, my bests were those who took initiative and were there for the kids. The worst were those that sat at their desk and never do a thing until they're asked. They may they make more work for me. They stay on their phones, read on their tablet, never follow classroom routines. They also come in work late and leave early. And there and never ask if is there anything that they can do. I've experienced that you're kind of just here even if you give them a task like you, you it's, I ain't gonna keep saying them I'm not gonna keep saying them I've experienced people who have done the same thing 
KTS says, the best was when I actually had a pair in my classroom. <laughs> the worst was the fact that I don't have one anymore. Yeah, I haven't had one since uh, for about four years now. BD says, I have been a parapro for 20 years. I was not trained to do the job. I learned things that I needed to know on my own. I think it's important that the teacher and the parent get together on the first day. Sit down and talk. Tell each other what your expectations are. Now, in those 20 years, I have definitely worked with some interesting teachers. I'm sure. I'm sure it can be difficult to come in as an assistant to multiple people and without an open mind or or an open heart and work with somebody especially in the setting that I was in where administration decided one day one school year the parents not doing what they're supposed to do and we know that this is what they're saying right so so they don't get comfortable in one place we're going to switch them up every six weeks that was like some detrimental traumatizing shit for my kids that were receiving services and I only had one and as soon as he got used to somebody, now you're switching it up. Every six weeks, we get a new person. So how am I supposed to build rapport and relationships with people when you always... See? That's what people are talking about. How are we going to do the things we need to do? It doesn't make sense. But hey, we're teachers. We're flexible. We're supposed to be able to do anything. We have degrees. LB says, I was grateful to have one. One year, my parents spent most of the school year on maternity leave. One year, I didn't have one. And one year, my parents spent most of the year out injured. Well, damn. That's interesting. TBF says, the worst, she was incompetent in math and talked to kids about extra stuff during work time. Distracting. The best was good enough to teach my class. The expectation is for the para to cooperate is that what it's on? For the para to coordinate and help those, I don't know. I can't read my own handwriting, y'all. Those who need service and can be competent in the skill. So, that's bomb. Her bad and her good kind of way out. But, you know, at the end of the day, like I said, you ain't trying to stop nobody bad. Like, you can tell people, you know, okay, we, this is what we're going to do in here. You know, this is what I expect. This is what which this is what I'm doing. So I expect you to reciprocate. But if people still gonna do what they want to do, are you really gonna be that person to go up front and be like and tattle? Cause real talk, that's what it is. Are you gonna be that person to go up there and tattle on whomever is not doing what they're supposed to do in your classroom when it just told us in the guidelines that you are supervising them technically, even though you're not rating them, you're supervising them. Now listen and listen good. Get your sugar, your honey, and your lemon. Because uh, I got a cup of pouring hot tea for this next testimony. Y'all get ready for this petty-ass pair, okay? So SWW, she said, Early on in my career, I had a pair who I began realizing that she was clearly jealous of me. I had, I had invested in some professional-looking blazers, a couple of weeks later, she appears in a similar but clearly cheaper version of the Blazers. In fact, copied my outfits to the T. That's fucking creepy. 
Next, she kept telling me she had seen my boyfriend in different places. Later, she found, later, I found out that she, who was married at the time, was cheating on her boyfriend with him. That's a whole nother level of WTF. Her boyfriend was cheating on her with her para. And she was dressing like the teacher. <laughs> Lastly, if I took a sick day, she would take off the next day to spite me or pass post-it notes to students to give to me because she was mad I took off the previous day and wasn't talking to me. You, you are a special type of bitch. She sound real young. I hope old folks ain't acting like this. I mean, I know they do. But she sounds like the typical little skank skeezer that's a homewrecker. First of all, you already married and cheating. Then you're going to cheat with the boyfriend of the person that you work with? You dirty beast. That's ridiculous. We ain't even talking about... <laughs> what? That is... That is unfortunate, SWW, and I hate that for you. Eminem said, Mine was great until he became ready for others attention other than doing his job i've seen that before too it looked like you everywhere with everybody i don't see you in my classroom i definitely don't see you in anybody else's classroom only in the hallway talking laughing tee he and in the other people's classroom talking laughing to tee in so okay wkj said i have had awesome experiences with my parents each one brought something unique to the class the only bad experience was when i had a male para but he was always pulled to do other things around the school because we didn't have many males in our building. I could see that. Can you come move these boxes? Can you come help us get this off this top shelf? Can we get Mr. Such and Such to come to the gym and woo woo? I could see that. That's unfortunate because if you're supposed to be providing a service to a specific group of students or a student, then you're in the wrong place. So, TH says, I think the key... To re- is to remember that they have a lot to offer. Make them a part of the learning process, such as giving ideas during lesson planning. I thought that was like, maybe it was just some of the schools that I've been at. But you're supposed to plan with your para. Unless, I mean, period. Like, maybe you don't have time to sit down and plan with them. Maybe when they come in, if, if they're a pushy in person, you get them a little overview about what you're going to do that day or what you're going to do that week or whatever. How are they supposed to know what to do if you're not communicating? Like, seasoned people can come in, jump in, look around, see what's going on, check the IEP and be like, okay, let me let me go help such and such do this. We good. But... Even a seasoned person wants you to speak to them, hello, this what's going on, this this what I'm trying to do. If he don't finish it, it's okay. Something. Get something. FL says, I want a pair that's an extension of me. I don't want us to be night and day, cloudy and sunny, or good and bad. I think you get the picture. I would like us to be on one accord. Of course, their ideas are important, and I definitely welcome and allow their ideas to be used. I would too. Like, I'm a super creative person. Nobody's, I don't feel like nobody's stopping my juice or my flow by just simply telling me what it is that they want to do. We may or may not do it, but I'm not stopping nobody from saying nothing. You say whatever it is that you like. 
Okay, y'all, I got two more because I want to end on a positive note. So, uh, P.S. says, my worst experience is a parent who comes in and plays with the children. Hmm. They blur the lines between adult and friends, just like some of our parents in episode one and two. This particular pair, though, thought it was okay to play during my lesson. They even handed out candy at times. Now, come on now. You got to talk about that. Especially if you're not here all the time, then you don't know what the effects are of you giving these kids candy and then you leave. And guess who got to deal with it? Me. Even handed out candy at times as if that weren't enough. They would give students permission to leave the class. Okay, leave the class. My rule is no one leaves this class, period, unless you're dying. Especially during my lesson. We're outside and I'm responsible. The bad part would be me not knowing they were dismissed. That's a whole nother beast right there. Accountability, the accountability piece. I mean, I had a kid who was running out even after people were bringing the child back to me and they would be right back out the door on the playground by themselves. So for you to allow somebody to go and don't even t- ask or tell, that's a serious like breach of every damn thing we got going on up in here that's good and right. Okay. Let's look at something positive so we can close this out. I don't have any special guests today, so let's wrap this up. Here's the wrap up. So I just went back to the site where I posted my question and I see a few more tantalizing things. So RFC said, I've only had a few times of help a few times in my life. Most of those times were fine. No issue. Only had one title one pullout para who would literally walk in and in the middle of my lesson and say, I'm pulling my kids. Let's go. Like just arrogant AF. Then he would go to their specials and do the same thing. He was real rude. But he got fired for cussing the kid out, so God bless him. Other than that, it's been fine. I let them do their thing. They've been fine. Okay. This person is (laughs) SMS. My worst was, I'm not going to say their name. Oh, she made up a fake name. Cool. My worst was Miss Dickens, which is a fictitious name. I walked into my classroom, and she... She and the students were searching records of incarcerated individuals. She thought it was okay. I would give direction and she would try to overrule me. Lastly, she refused to work with certain students because they smelled. Needless to say, I said, bye-bye, girl. Wow. (laughs) Oh, I see one of my friends. I'm going to keep scrolling. Let's see. CD says, I can write an entire book on my school year, a nightmare of an experience with a paraprofessional. I bet it will be a bestseller. I wish I could share all of my experiences with with all of the details. I've had a positive experience with a great paraprofessional. She cares about their well-being outside of school and tries to step in where the parents cannot. That's beautiful. Uh, CTM says, I had an experience with a pair trying to show me an easier way to do a math problem in front of the class as I was teaching the lesson. This would have been okay if she would have showed the small group after I sent them to her for intervention. What a lesson. So this last person says, para, 
comes in, sleep, eat, talks on his phone, talks to the students during the lesson, asking stupid questions. Let me hold something. Do you still live on blank, blank, blank? They can't do that. Stupid pair ever. I've taken pictures of him sleeping. And he's still here. Oh, and during an during a smart board activities, he shouts out the answers wrong. Last when the students get something wrong. Please help me, Jesus. Hmm. So there's a lot of positive and negative reviews, but at the end of the day, these are still people too. So I'm gonna leave with, um with this final. Seems like it's positive, and even if it's not. This is the last one I'm reading. MP says, communication is key. Some lead teachers think that they are above paras. I've experienced a lot in my 15 years. I've been in the system longer than my nine leads I've been with, except my first lead teacher. I can teach and I can para. When in the classroom, as a lead, co, or para, just remember, we all wear different hats and should be all about the children. Each year, I become a family with my lead teacher, my students, and other classes. A degree doesn't make you a good parent or a lead. You just have to get in there and do what you know how to do. Okay, MP. To the parents that have 99 other jobs within the school that have absolutely nothing to do with teaching or testing, I salute you. To the parents that come to work on time and work, I thank you. Working with others in leadership roles can be challenging. It can be difficult with a strong personality or a lazy one. We have to be thankful that someone has come to the rescue, even if they didn't bring the right tools with them because someone else is praying for that same blessing, for that same person. With our demanding schedules, I realize that there may be no time to get to know each other. But this step is crucial. If you fail at your work relationship, you may be failing your students. You may see it as an opportunity to teach them how you like to do something. Or you may see it as an opportunity to learn something from them, even if your experience is negative. We are still human beings. Show some compassion, but be firm. Stand firm for what you believe in. And what we should be believing in is respect for ourselves and respect for our students. So, I am going to leave you with this quote. It's on the wall here in my workspace, above my desk. I ripped it out of an old planner from Michael's. It reads, start where you are, use what you have, and do what you can. Y'all, that's really all you can do in 21st century education. I'm going to read it again. Start where you are, use what you have, do what you can. Thank you. See y'all next time.